Greetings, friends! Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my flamethrowing but self-destructive uh, pimp and pitcher, Southpaw Alex Dandino. <laughs> Oh, good Lord. Uh, we are embarking on our most 2020 podcast of the year. But before we get to <laughs> a little business, guys, please take a second and leave us a rating and review wherever you find the show, especially if that happens to be Apple Podcasts. We actually had a gang of them come in. This really week. appreciate it. Really. Yeah, it lifts our spirits a lot, guys. It really means a lot to know that the show's finding you. Uh, and that you're digging it, man. It's a small thing, but it really means the world to shows like us. So thank you very much. Again, wherever you find the pod, but especially Apple Podcast app, you can see the faces, the hairy old faces that make these voices on our YouTube channel, Nerd Alchemist. We have some other video content there you might enjoy. Uh, always coming up with new uh, ideas for that. You can also find us on all the social media that you're on. Connect with us there. That's a great way to reach out. We love interacting with you guys. Uh, thank you for people who are doing that. Preach. And you may email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com, with your ideas for movies that you'd like to hear us cover, suggestions, double features, new, old, themes for a month. If you want to get in early uh, for our December, every year we do listener selection December, the pod stuff's your stocking. So get in now. Uh, getting good. All right, that's enough business. Summer sure, catch. Sure, we don't have any more business. <laughs> hey guys, did you rate and review yet? <laughs> no. uh, so we're doing summer catch as part of Alex's BFF trilogy. I actually meant to do this and I forgot to do it. I wanted to look up how many podcast podcast have done a summer catch episode in earnest where they were trying to talk about the film as a film and not as something to be dunked upon. Mm -hmm. I would imagine we're entering rarefied air. So Alex, as you are the, uh, the bringer of the BFF trilogy, Indeed. why don't you start us off? All right. Summer catch is, a movie that has not aged well. It came out in 2001 at a time. <laughs> I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm fairly certain that the time that this movie was relevant and uh, all everything was um, couth throughout the film was roughly five days in the summer of 2001. And then immediately... You think this movie came out and we immediately are like, we must adjust our mores. <laughs> <laughs> this was like the James Cameron bringing the bar up kind of thing, like... This movie is America's collective artistic space. This movie is just. I, <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, this movie is not aged well. Uh, it's not even a particularly good movie, <laughs> but it does have the defining characteristic for this month, which is a splendid rapport between Freddie Prince Jr. and Matthew Lillard. They are particularly good going back and forth together in it. Um, that's probably the most positive thing I can say about the movie. The rest of it is kind of hijinksy and bad, but nevertheless has its charms, I think. There are things that are good buried deep, deep within this film. Yes. Um, 
like baseball itself, there you know, there's a dog days of summer, and sometimes you got to have a release on the schedule. I would like to ask you this real quick. I'd like to push on you for a second. So instead of just doing a glorious Matthew Lillard month, yes, where we just talk about how great Matthew Lillard is and how insanely charming he is, yes, and how I wish he had been in more movies and not always relegated to second fiddle, tall, lanky yes. guy that you want to fuck. You know, he's like the. Well, that guy's a little too pompous and full of himself, but Matthew Lillard will do a joke and then bang you and never call you back. That kind of character that he got really stuck in for a long time. Uh, Why Freddie Prinze, though? Because I'm going to I'm going to say something up front to kind of preface some of this and not not be too horrible. His acting in this film, right, especially scenes where he is interacting with uh, one Jessica Biel, Biel, um, it has what can only be described in my mind as a softcore porn varnish, right? Like, like this is the this is the level of communication. I was trying to think back in the grand history of cinema. If there are two leading people that have less chemistry on screen than Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jessica Biel. And I would be hard for And I'm not here too. to say that I think both of them are horrendous actors. I don't think that's the case. No. Something here. There is something did amiss. not though. work. They are very yeah. just, <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like watching, um, it, it's like watching, you know, Adams miss each other in a Hadron Collider, like nonstop. <laughs> like you're just like, well, they missed 5 billion times, but that one hit. Exactly. Like you're just like, it's a million, like they're a millions upon millions of atoms inside a Hadron Collider, all of them colliding at once. These two atoms never touch one another. It's shocking. Yeah. See, I think you went for like something small that often misses. I would be like, this would be Godzilla and King Kong if King Kong never shoved the tree down Godzilla's throat. Like, That's a good point. That's a good one, too. They have to clash at one point. There's only two boulders rolling down the hill, and they just they, they cross like so many uh, planes in the night. It is It is shocking. that part of the movie, because this felt like them saying, Jessica Biel's coming from Seventh Heaven. Everyone watches Seventh Heaven with their parents, right? We were all forced to. We're like, this show will become a moral authority. Uh, it's the new Little House on the Prairie, the thing Americans need. Little did we know the father was a diddler. Everyone on that show is some form of criminal, if I remember correctly. <laughs> and they they saved Jessica Beale from the wreckage right. of Seventh Heaven. And they're like, we got to get that, that Christian family show stank off of her. So just a lot of kind of bikini acting right. in this. A lot one, of bikini right? acting, a lot of rich whites uh, looking down on the pores. There's a lot of that going on in this movie. That's a very popular we'll, we'll motif. We'll get to that. But I, my point was, I, I feel like there is this weird thing in your mind where you are equating Freddie Prince Jr. as equally valuable in these movies we've watched as Matthew Lillard. Like somehow that tandem has helped no. these movies still be well. Watchable. I would argue that Freddie Prince Jr. has been the worst part of both of these movies. Oh, well, in my opinion, you can't necessarily listen. I I like Matthew Lillard as an actor. I think SLC Punk's an awesome movie as well. Yeah. He's wonderful in the descendants. Like he himself is a great actor. I have never estimated that Freddie Prince Jr. in my in the numerous movies I've seen him in has necessarily <laughs> had to push himself beyond handsome guy. That's happened a lot, especially in the movies that we're watching this month in the BFF trilogy. <laughs> These are not movies where we're like, 
Well, yeah, he's really giving it his all. Like, he's handsome. Like, he's there. He's eye candy. That's the star of the show, you know? I think what Matthew Lillard brings is the... It's a very, to me, like a sort of Martin and Lewis thing. You have a handsome guy who can't act very well, but nevertheless can at least put something together. And then you have Jerry Lewis. (laughs) That is the best way I can put it. Wow. Wow. Uh... (laughs) I just did not think I was going to get the Martin and Lewis analogy. <laughs> that is that is strong. You're coming in hot. Uh, all right, so let's dive in. So this movie, I described to you, this movie to me reeked of a person who probably grew up very rich and very white in the Cape Cod area, right? Definitely. And they got a book, and they're like, The Hero's Journey, all right? Like I want, I want to write films. My pappy will pay for it, but I gotta write a film, right? What do, what do I do? And they're like, "This hero's journey, gross." I don't read. I'm too rich to read. I'll have someone else read and tell me about it. And so they're like, "What is the biggest like problem a protagonist could face? <laughs> Being poor, duh, obviously." <laughs> and then from there, this just is an amazing you know, impression. Obviously, some girl wants to have sex with him. Duh, he's very hot. He still has abs. He's a poor with abs. Duh. And so just the. the <laughs> setup and premise of this movie is is well, just unusual and unique to me. Yeah. But this is the because this is when they set it up right. You're like the boy who mows right. the lawn it's of the the, field. the local with he the chip on his desperately, shoulder. Yeah, he desperately wants to make it right. He's grown up in the shadow of these big houses. You're like, all right, we're doing an Aladdin love story, right? Yes, that makes perfect sense. Absolutely. The problem is, is that there are scenes when Aladdin steals food and almost gets killed and gives it to two starving children, right? right? Uh, A saves the Apu moment, if you will. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know that we get this. In fact, we get the scene where it's the things I know that young uh, Mr. Dunn thinks about baseball is he even says, he's like, I'm my own worst enemy, right? This is my last shot. I got to do it. Can't even make it one hour, one hour. without fucking partying, he, right? Well, I mean, neither here nor there, right? No, no, no. Later it, in the film, it's he here. says, "I think this is an important scene in the movie." It starts the whole thing off because he's he gives this whole monologue about how important this opportunity is to him, everything that's important about the Cape League and so on and so forth. So he decides he's not going to take any chances, and without an alarm clock or anything else, goes out to sleep on the baseball field where he will be practicing the following morning. Fatal flaw, because, again, if you're not going to have a alarm clock with you or anything like that, like just stay asleep at home. But instead, he goes out to the and then n- not an hour later, Brittany Murphy is standing over him with a beer between her legs, uh, pouring it in, which, again, I. Wow. What an image, which we find out is her. That's move, her move. Go-to That's move. her go to. But but this is the thing. This movie's baseball essentially consists of scenes we've seen in other movies, right? 100%. Zach talking to himself and hearing voices on the mound for the love of the Classic. game. Classic. Uh, this this sleeping on the field and getting hit with the sprinklers, Major, Major league. league. Right? Like, all of these are scenes from other movies that we've seen, yes. right? That's why We even get a Bull Durham scene, but a little weirder. Oh, um, boy, do we. This is the thing about Zach. I was like, so if I was a coach and I was like, hey, that kid slept on the field. Would I be like, look at how much that kid loves baseball? Or wee, wee, yeah, red, like, flag, red flag, get red out of my clubhouse. Flag. That's for sure. And then but, it's Brian Dennehy too. Like Brian, they bring Brian Dennehy and um, they bring Brian Dennehy 
uh, Fred Ward, and then um, Ed, uh, or no, sorry, um, fuck, um, McGinley to be the uh, scout. Like they have these heavy hitter character actors in a movie, yeah, and they're just there to be like the only people who are actually acting. The rest of everyone is like very handsome and good looking and everything like that. They're there to like show that, oh, see, there are actors who showed up. And they do their right. jobs. They even got a cameo from fucking Hank Aaron. Fucking of Hank this is a Aaron. weird. But this is the thing, right? So I would say that this movie has, but perhaps does not, not deserve Fred Ward and Brian Dennehy. They are responsible for essentially every really good scene in the movie. I really like Fred Ward's character as the dad in this movie. Oh, me too. I think he's great. He is a really good human portrayal of this man's grief, yeah. right? I dig this, like, when he's actually acting, right, the scene that got me is when after he's been a dick, right, and he kind of went in on his son when he's drunk, mm -hmm. right? The son who keeps fucking up. The son that I'm sure he's afraid will be a fuck-up like him. The son who, you know, if only his mom was here, she could fix this. Uh, when his, when Zach, what's his name, Dunn? Adam? Ryan, Ryan Dunn. What's this guy's name? Ryan Dunn. Ryan Dunn. Dunn. So as he has his meltdown, as he's off to do, right, he blames the umpire. Because Dunn in this movie essentially takes zero responsibility, zero responsibility for, any for anything he does wrong. Yes. Everyone else so takes responsibility he's for He's sitting there routinely. blaming the umpire, right? right? Yeah, and his dad comes up and he's like, that umpire had it in for you. And he has this kind of quiver moment and he goes, you deserve better. And you know he's not talking about the umpire. He's trying so desperately to make a bond, which is then somewhat not returned at all by Freddie Prinze. But, you know, as is tradition... Um, but that moment, I was like, that's a really good moment yeah. in this movie. Like, they got some sneaky great moments, right? My Between, because there is that. There was uh, Fred Ward telling the rich guy to shove that's his job, That's my right? fucking favorite scene in the whole movie. Because here's the other yeah. thing. Here's the other thing Fred Ward does better than anyone in the entire movie is maintain his accent. Like, the idea is that they're from Cape Cod and they have some sort of Bostonian uh, thing. Now, you know. <laughs> Um, Freddie Prince Jr. sort of drifts in and out of it. Whatever. It's not that big a deal. But Fred Ward commits. And then he that's the best part is like he hands that bill to him. And I remember the line. He hands up and he goes like, you know, respect is or whatever. You know, like uh, respect is pride. Reserve, pride. pride is reserved just for you over here on Shaw Drive. I'm like, God bless you, Fred Ward. There it is. <laughs> and then no, the, be that's what and I mean. the best accent, though is Bruce Davison. Or whatever. <laughs> Bruce Davison throws the bill in the trunk and goes, shit. <laughs> he's like he called my bluff god damn, damn it. it they're the only lawn crew in this whole town no but it, it's just it's it's unusual in a movie like this right you could see the movie they're building right is it felt like this was the moment where they're like do we have another brat pack explosion on our hands like is this gonna is be this a gonna thing be the right yeah you can kind of see the pillars right and they're like we'll bring in these old actors and like this this movie has almost that this could be like our pretty in pink. Sure. Right? Our pretty in pink thong, I guess, as it were. And you're like, this could be the thing. So you can see what they're doing. And Fred Ward gets a sneaky, vulnerable performance. It's really good because he is kind of this tough. But he has those great moments, too, where he's like he's interested in his son's baseball. But then, you know, hey, let me know about your yards. They got to get done one way or another. Right. right? And it kind of feels like they're playing and it's like, why is he nagging him? But you're like, he's going to do the yards. Yeah. He's going to, he wants his son to be there. 
the fact that even though he seems like he's kind of a drunkard in a couple scenes, right. he still shows up to the games and is emotionally invested. You know, I was like, that's more than my dad did. I was like, Look, he, he goes to all the games. He has his own little cooler, his own little seat. Like he knows where he wants to sit. Like he keeps the book. Everybody. I mean, maybe so that he can do prop comedy when Freddie Prince comes back in. He's like eight innings, five hits, five and one. <laughs> yeah. Mistake. But like it, <laughs> it is fascinating to me in this movie because Freddie Prince Jr.'s character. Yeah, you're right. Takes no responsibility for any of his behavior. Like, the best part, the best example of this is the very beginning of the bar when uh, the hotshot guy Van Van Leer Van Lemer he like tries to get into it with his with the locals and Freddie Prince Jr. runs over, tries to butt in, and his brother, who's like the barkeep, literally kicks him out of the bar so he doesn't get in trouble. I'm like, and he's like, "Oh God, I'm just getting tossed out of the bar." I'm like, "Dude, he's trying to help you out." And then the next scene is fucking Brian Dennehy telling everyone, "Hey." If you don't fucking straighten up, you're all getting your asses back home on the back home to mommy with that great Brian Dennehy vibe, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, his, but it's frustrating. This is the thing though, it's frustrating. this is what I didn't get to earlier, but there, there is a quintessential baseball problem with this movie, which is, you know, in the natural, this is Roy Hobbs thing is baseball, right? right. In the sandlot. It is the thing that makes life tolerable. Love of the game. It's like, I want one more run. Bull Durham, I want one more run. Like, they're the great baseball movies. Right. Even Field of Dreams to a lesser degree. I want to see my shithead dad right. who's on a team full of cheaters, whatever. <laughs> you know, fucking bullshit foisted upon the American man's psyche. But, uh, neither here nor there. I'll go in on Field of Dreams someday. But, but, but you're right. All of them have this important thing, right? You have to have this undying love. And for... I mean, I make my money running a YouTube comedy channel that is all baseball content, essentially. I know this demographic well. And the abiding thing in baseball fans is that we are baseball folk, right? This means a lot to us. We're sinking in the ratings. It's a little old-timey. It's a little long. You have to be invested. And what we know about Zach is he's like, his brother essentially at one point is like, hey, just pitch better. And he's like, but I want to be intimidating. You're like, what? Yeah. And then then his – you know, there's another one where his friends are like, man, how cool is it that you're on days? Yeah, I'm going to quit. What? And he's like, don't you get it? It's about signing the check, getting the big contract. Part. <laughs> and then so I, I during that scene, I'm sitting there and his friend literally turns around and just tells him right to his face. Man, he's like, we've all supported your ass right through the personal struggles you've had. We've all been there for you. Right. This kind of. So we learned that Zach is or Ryan. Sorry, Zach is she's all that. Yeah, Ryan, uh, his other sociopathic white character, right? Ryan has been floated along on this life of everyone taking care of him. Yes, but he can push a mower. So he's doing some stuff for himself, I guess. Right. So everyone else is helping him through. And his friend even says he's like, hey, man, not that was the line I really like, too, because they use the two like terrible stoner friends. Yeah. To really good effect in that moment that where they kind of like had this moment of clarity and they're like, hey, we none of us have missed a game. Right. Right. Your dad, who you don't love, is never your brother. You know, us like we haven't missed a game. It means the world to us to see you even here. This is our major league. Right. And he just goes, OK. And so you're like, why do I want this guy to get the contract? And this is one of the funniest scenes in the movie. So that is Ryan's moment where, man, my friend made me feel like a dick, so I'll be cool for like a day, right? 
And I guess you could argue it's romantic when he leaves his no hitter to go get the girl. But I'm like, okay. that to me is a visual sign that he doesn't this care about baseball. This is a big problem. But the final, the last scene of the movie, though, right? Ugh. Is they're all at the bar watching Ryan, who's finally made it. Again, you're like, I don't care that he makes it. He does not love baseball. No. I like the idea of sports that these kids want it. It's a dream. They work hard. And they get there. So besides the fact that Ryan doesn't love it and doesn't want it, except for to be famous, I guess. Two, so he can be condescending to all of his local family and friends. Two, we never see him working hard, ever. There's no practice montage except for one time when Jessica Biel does an impression of him. Neither here nor there. He gets to the big leagues, and he does the exact same mistake. His professional baseball catcher gives him a sign. To Ken Griffey Jr., one of the most legendary home run hitters of all time, he shakes him off, throws a pitch, gets taken yard like a little fucking punk, and then he turns to the camera, and they're like, welcome to the show, and everyone is like, yay, let's do that a lot more. He's not going to have a long, good career. He's blowing it again. He's probably sleeping in the Cincinnati lawns naked and thonged, and he's just going to be kicked out. By the all-star break. Like, this is a terrible ending to this movie. It is a weird – it's interesting because, like, I'm not a baseball guy, admittedly. It's not my, like, first sport. But I also – I agree. Like, I've, it's a, the problem I've always had with this movie is that it essentially is, like, baseball is the background thing to yeah. sort of, like, keep a ticking clock on the movie. But everything's about, like, this sort of weird sex comedy, like – it's like combination meatballs and uh, like, <laughs> that would have been a great name for this movie. Actually, if we're thinking about it, probably logically. like it's com- you could have definitely called this movie. Meatballs. Like it's combination like meatballs, porkies, like all these like weird sex comedies from the 80s. And like, hey, why don't we just do that in the 2000s? And you're like, nope, that's why they're in the 80s, my friend, because none of those jokes. Well, no, anymore. this is this is American pastime pie, right? Like that's what this movie really wanted Barely. to be was American pie. Right, that they're like, we'll try to do American Pie scenes. They definitely run the Stifler's mom riffs, yes. and they're like, we'll do repeats of other famous baseball movie scenes. Right. And so you, but I, I agree with you. I think what they really wanted to do is the the sex comedy, right? And I don't know if they thought the baseball would butch it up. And you're like, yeah, now boys will want to come on boy dates to see it, right? Like boys are gonna go chug beers in their twenties and then watch some. <laughs> it's just a weird. Like I don't. It's yeah. a weird thing. Like, it's a weird movie. Again. I- well, like, here's the thing. Here's the crazy thing, right? So the arc of the movie is Jessica Biel trying to prince in the pauper it, right? Like, I'm going to see, I'll mow your yard to show that I can do poor people's stuff, <laughs> and I feel bad for definitely having a quasi hangout with my, whatever. They both lie to their parents about the relationship. This is not, so besides the porn veneer. Yes. There is also some real like red flags in this relationship, right? Not going well. Um, <laughs> but there is this baseline problem of what are you rooting for in this film, right? Yes. I don't really because honestly, problem. this is the weirdest part. It put me in a, an unwinnable position where I was like, I think the rich dad in this movie is right, and Jessica Biel should run for the. <laughs> I kind of think like, so too. I think Ryan this is, is so not a good, the- but that's. But here's the thing, right? So this is what I was getting to, though, right? So the whole movie is she's going to try to understand the simple folk, and Ryan is going to stop being a whiny bitch and Pitt just throw the ball. Right. So his arc isn't as much. But hers is she's going to embrace this, right? 
poverty. She never has the scene where she bonds with her sister over baseball, right? Where her little sister teaches her baseball. That is just written right in there. Yes. The little sister loves this, right? She goes to these games alone in expensive mascot costumes. Super. It's the saddest thing in the movie oh we God. gloss over, right? It's so embarrassingly sad because you're like, who's driving her to these games? No one. She's Maybe just a herself. guy who buttles. The- yeah, a guy who buttles takes her there in her $500 costumes. Here's the other thing. She shows up for the final game, hears he's having a no-hitter, and just walks away. Yeah. So there's no kind of bringing the baseball well, home. It's like, why even have the baseball? Baseball ends up not lit. I think this is – I've always – like listen, this is by far not my favorite movie, but I can tell you I've always had a major <laughs> issue with this particular part, which is the ending of this movie, because – I don't care who you are. Like, first off, if you're so self-aware of your fame and infamy that you're like, you know, a no-hitter in the in the Chesapeake League isn't going to show up in the Globe tomorrow. Why do you even care about that? Why don't you just finish your fucking no-no and move, move on with it? Instead, he literally, like, he, he makes all the moves. Like, he calls the closer up and he's like, hey, check this guy out. You know, you can't hit a slider. You'll be great. Enjoy it. And I'm just like, dude. If like if I was the coach, like Brian Denny, he's just like smiling. He's like, "Get me out of this movie as quickly as possible." And I mean, yeah, yeah, no, like because <laughs> Brian Henny, Denny, he's like literally, I'm the shoulders you're standing on to prop this up. But that's what because this is but one that's of the what good it things is. in the but movie. But the ending, I could listen to Brian Dennehy teach me life lessons via sports monologue, absolutely, for five he hours. You could great. do like a literal trilogy about him he just has monologuing wonderful sports, sports monologues about like pitching and like so the mindset good. you have to be like there is some great stuff like there's a baseball movie in there somewhere it's just like 20 minutes long and we have to like suffer through all the other weird hijinks these guys get themselves well, into yeah him and fred ward are in a baseball movie, yes right like there that's where your movie is right the the rich people, I guess it's like if I make it to the bigs, I'll turn the tables on them. And it's like you got a fifty thousand dollars sign on right. bonus. You're not with them. They will not accept you still. Right? So, anyways, that that part is weird. But like back to this Brian Dennehy point, I'd like to hammer this home with a scene that I was just I felt so bad. Like if I could reach into the screen Pleasantville style and hug an actor, it would have been Brian Dennehy in this moment. But it's when he comes up, right? And there's a scene when Zach is self-destructing. Right. And Brian Dennehy, the coach, has to make a decision. Do I leave uh, Ryan Dunn in and let him work this out? Because I gave him the speech about some nights you have it. You're magical. You're untouchable. You know it. It just clicks. Or do I pull him out since I'm going to send him to the bullpen anyways? We learn a minute right. later. And instead of letting Brian Dennehy in close up, look in Ryan's nope. eyes and oh, deliver God. a monologue. Yep. Matthew Lillard runs up and delivers about one whole minute of fart jokes. <laughs> yes. It's and then Zach chuckles and Brian Dennehy goes, ha, I got a feeling you stay in the game. Only to immediately get fucking crushed. <laughs> so the movie's even telling you coaching by fart joke, not the best play. <laughs> but in that scene. In that scene, I was like, there had to be a part of Brian Dennehy. Like, right, the, the, the dignity and the power of that man, right? The mm-hmm. things that we all love about him. There's a small bit of his self-conscious that must be cordoned off, right? Very much like the special secret room in the movie Dreamcatcher. Right. If we're talking about movies on this level, right? Yes. 
And the Brian Dennehy in there who's like, tell God you, damn it, Dream I'm an actor. I'm a good actor. Dreamcatcher is like The Shining compared to this movie. But sure, go ahead. <laughs> but yeah, so that Brian Dennehy stuck in his special library room is just chain smoking. <laughs> and he's like, what happened to Hollywood? Because I was, you have Brian Dennehy right there. Yeah. To do the sports moment, to do the sports dialogue. And they made a decision, a conscious decision as writers and directors to say, Instead of making the sports matter to this movie and letting legend Brian Dennehy have a great... I mean, that would have been a hammer moment, right? Yes. If he showed a little bit of dignity in this... Or a little bit of of faith in this kid and it paid off, right? Whether it did or didn't, then you get another Dennehy moment. Instead, Matthew Lillard's like, he was mad about the first fart and now I've just lightened him up, shag or scoob. And you're like, what is happening? Why is baseball in this? Yeah, it, 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 there's like there's moments where the movie begins to become a baseball movie, and then that kind of stuff happens, and it just stops dead in its tracks. Like, got it. This movie's not about baseball. It's not about my enjoying my enjoying of a sports movie. It's about is Ryan Dunn gonna end up with again? I can't believe I I can't believe I can remember her name Tenley. What a weird name for a character for a movie like this. <laughs> Get it? Ten. Nope. <laughs> but then Brian Dennehy. Yeah. Like Brian Dennehy is the story. I always remember about Brian Dennehy is the one that Patton Oswald tells about the Batman begins premiere and Patton Oswald was like eating food at the table. And Brian Dennehy walks up behind him, pats him up and goes, character actors who gives a shit what we look like. And then just like starts eating as well. I'm like, <laughs> That's the Brian Dennehy I want to know. That's the yeah. Brian Dennehy that I want to believe is always going to be on the mound telling me, hey, get the fuck back to the bullpen. You fucked up enough tonight. I'm making a call. I'm bringing in the closer. Like That is like the most unfortunate thing about this movie is that it's clearly written by people who have literally only – it's written by people who like have me level of knowledge of baseball, which – well, there's one thing I really liked in the movie, which I would like to think that Brian Dennehy's like, hey, can we shoot an extra scene for me? And he's like, I'm going to fucking stick these dudes. And they're like, yeah, yeah, Brian, we'd love to see what your, you know, your craft. Like, yeah, ask, ask questions, right? Use your emotions. That's what acting's about, Brian. Let's do it. And he's like, yeah, thanks. <laughs> I know. And so <laughs> there's a scene when Zach's throwing his no hitter. And as a baseball fan, I lost my shit. Zach's throwing a no hitter. In the coach, right? The super knowledgeable baseball coach walks up to the coach oh who just sleeps through every that's game the best scene. and says, you might want to wake up. He's got a no-no. And you're like, that's like baseball 101. You never talk about the no-no or the perfect game because it disrupts it, right? right? And so I was like, one, why are you calling in the closer if he's killing it at pitching too? And it's just one of those like, wh what? And then this is the funny thing. They even have the young girl say it. Two minutes later, she tells Tenley, don't talk about it. It's it's a jinx. So they fucking knew. They couldn't even keep it straight. <laughs> but that's why I like, cause, but I like this as a character choice, right? Because I'd like to think Brian Dennehy invented this moment because that is Brian Dennehy's character saying, oh my God, this guy's not going to burn out. I like to think that Brian Dennehy invited Ryan there to get crushed and humbled, right? To send him into his future of uh, being a fuck up. Yeah. You know, he's kind of a cosmic crusader for truth, right? So I think in this moment, this is the coach saying, 
oh my God, he's actually pitching good. I'm going to fuck this up with an old baseball <laughs> jinx. Right? And that's Brian Dennehy intentionally trying to ruin the game and get himself fired so he can leave the hellscape that has become the Chatham A's. <laughs> so as a character actor moment, I love that. <laughs> I like that. I like that beat a lot. I think that makes a lot more sense. That makes me like the movie exceptionally more because, again, I spend, like, I watched this movie. I, the, uh, if you, you can rent it, first off, it's one ninety nine on Amazon, which should tell you a lot about the value of this film. I'll, I'll tell you a struggle I had is that I was like, it's only $5 to own. I was like, Stop. what if this movie fucking slaps and I forgot and I'm going to be pissed I didn't spend the extra dollars? Oh, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> it was a 48-hour rental. I watched it three times because I just like, I could not figure out what it was because for me again like these three movies are very much for me about matthew lillard and freddie prince jr playing off each other doing like the straight man funny man thing and the bit works when they have the opportunity to make the bit work like the scene so in the middle of the movie like billy brubaker who is matthew lillard's character cannot hit to save his life because he's used to swinging aluminum bats and again i don't know enough about baseball to know the transition but i'm assuming it's exceptionally difficult um exactly uh so anyways they <laughs> he's like <laughs> he's like i'm gonna quit so they set him up with dd mulligan who keeps him in town gets him drunk and then the next morning he wakes up and he's wearing her bikini and they're doing this whole bit and that whole thing should not be entertaining at all at all but god bless it if that old bff dynamic doesn't come in at least save it for a moment and i'm thinking yes maybe plus a fred ward in that scene okay gets you there for a moment let, let, let me roll into your bff trilogy theorem here because this this is an important scene this is probably the only scene that matters in this movie Towards your BFF theorem of the the alchemy of Freddie Prince Jr. and Matthew Lillard, right? Mm -hmm. Because Matthew Lillard is again playing just an absolute fucking butthole Absolutely. of a man, right? Terrible. Just constantly ripping on his friends for every little thing, dating overweight women, just kind of being a shitbag. But yeah. is that wildly charming guy, right? To where you still love that guy. By the end of the movie, you're like, what are good person things he did? Yeah, zero. zero right? Oh, no, and he's so, a total shit. But bag. you really like him. And at the end, you're like, I'd hang out with that guy. And you have to be like, why? Yeah, what would you? No, never hang like out with the best part about This is the, like the deceptive thing about this movie. He is an absolute wait, wait. monster. He is. Yes. But see, this is the thing. Ryan is an absolute monster. Now we're getting some she's all that sociopathy again, right? right? Because this is the scene where. And this is this is the weird thing. Well, I would argue that this is one of Freddie Prince Jr.'s weakest performance. His because when he's on the mound looking mad, it doesn't work. It is like a child throwing a tantrum for a toy, which we're both very accustomed yes. to. But what he was really good at is that when his dad or someone's giving him a life moment, his eyes go big, this dough in the headlights. He looks so lovable and sweet and idealistic like right like there's a thing where you're like he's the best of us i must save him when really what is happening 
is that he takes this poor down on her luck girl who didn't get the job in the vineyards. Oh, dude. And he said, hey, my friend has made a choice for his own life, right? That he wants to go back to Southern California where he has a scholarship to play baseball. Right. We're going to whore you out to keep him here. Yes. Now, I don't know exactly what deal he made with uh, Dee Dee right. to get her there. But he essentially says, hey, friends, get them in the car, drive him out to the middle of the nowhere. Make sure she does the near the knee beer thing and that they fuck a lot. And that'll be enough to get him to stay. Sure enough, it is. Matthew Lillard nakedly pronounces right. Big bruise back. But I was like that. The, that's one of those things that used to fly in movies. I think they were just like, <laughs> hi, Jinx. Yeah. It, you- there is a there is a text thread that is like. Hey, can you suck some dicks tonight? And it's like, what? Question mark, question mark. It's like, yours? No, no, not mine. I'm sure you won't mind doing this to someone else. Um, I'll double your tip. Something like that. Like, this is an actual throwdown deal. Yeah. No, no. And this it's is despicable. Absolutely. This is complete and utter prostitution. That's exactly what it is. There's no. Yes. Like, there, we might not have seen the cash exchange. There was cash exchanged. That's why the friends are there. To make sure that, A, she doesn't get hurt, but also at the same time to make sure that we they get their money at the end of the night. It's a big... I don't like it. It's terrifying. And yet at the end of the movie, for some reason, Matthew Lillard was just so charming the whole time. He's just so, he's just so chummy. Yeah. Because you know why? I'll tell you why. That is the thing. You do feel good that she ended up with him instead of Ryan. Yes. You're like, at least Bruce seems better. You know why he, he gets a, you know why he gets away with it? Because at the very beginning of the movie, when they're at the bar and uh, flamethrower, f- flamethrower glove guy gives Ryan a bunch of shit. The fucking Flavortown hair. Yeah, guy? Flav- yeah. Thank you, Flavortown. Flavortown <laughs> gives Ryan a bunch of shit about coming to um, practice in a thong. He yeah. has that like, and everyone's had that friend moment where you have a friend who's trying to get you out of a tight, tight spot. So he's like, yeah, we're going to go over here and talk to these girls. And he's literally like, come on, don't fuck around. Like he pushes him out of the way. Like that's the most like normal adjusted behavior in the entire movie of anyone, like any individual. So that's the crazy thing is Matthew Lillard's character sets the baseline for abject normal behavior like oh getting your friends out of a jam sure (laughs) so that when he goes absolutely insane and like bags on his friends for being virgins or having sex with overweight women or all these other things that he does that make him an absolute monster you're still gonna go back to but he did debel ryan out that one time so they are close and thus they he did BFFs. fart in an umpire's face to try to help. He did his fart game. in his yeah. umpire's yeah. face. Yeah. He did fart in an umpire's face to help his friend out. Like he's willing to go to certain lengths to help friends, but he's also willing to go all the way to entertain himself. I think this is a very big. Uh, again, this is a very big moment because Matthew Lillard's character is terrible. Yet we all sit there at the end of the movie and go, "Yeah." Like you said, you have to slap yourself yeah. to remind yourself that he's a piece of shit. This is the dynamic they have in these two films, though. Is Absolutely. That he is the likable, normal creep, right? Like the narcissistic, Absolutely. everything's about me creep. Whereas Freddie Prinze always plays this, he's going to become a serial yeah. killer. I actually, the more I watched this movie, too, I was like, we saw a better version of this BFF combo, which was Scream. Yes. Where, like, they just, instead of Freddie Prinze, they cast Skeet Ulrich as an actual serial killer. Yeah. And you're like, oh, there it is. That works better. Like, that's what Freddie Prince. 
Yeah, that's what Freddie Prinze was doing. It works the same the way. They just never cast Freddie Prinze in serial killer movies. So instead, he does all these weird teen, late eight, late 90s, early 2000s sex comedies with Matthew Lillard. And Matthew Lillard just does the same thing he did as Stu in yeah. Scream. Which, as we find out, makes him horrible. But at the same time, charming no less. It's a weird combo. <laughs> Yes. So we got to talk about some of the other bits. Oh, boy. Uh, sure. What were some of the other bits and did any of them work? For so we have the the right or the left fielder who seems to be the best player on the team, but but he likes to bang overweight ladies. Huge. Apparently, it's a huge character flaw for baseball players to like overweight women. Uh, this comes. Uh, I will say this, though, right? Is the most memorable scene of the movie him reading that poem? Yes, 100. Uh, uh, second most memorable scene. Sorry. Because then you're getting into like real kink territory. Yeah, so he. Because this isn't just big girls. This is like I want to be nagged and beaten. Yeah, so there's this weird kind of like. <laughs> so, yeah, there is this sort of like uh, submissive thing he's doing because he's like, he's like, come on, Marjorie. And she's like, just give me a minute. And he goes, all right, I'll wait. Like he's like quietly waiting for her. And then she's like, read that weird poem you wrote that oddly rhymes for no reason. Like, it's not even free verse. It's just because this, it's a poem. It's this yeah. creepy poem that he wrote. So <laughs> it's the weirdest thing I've ever witnessed in a movie that's supposed to be like this. But again, it harkens back to like a time long gone in the 80s when you could do stuff like that. And probably no one's going to think twice about it. But then like. All the other shaming that goes on in the movie is you're just like, eh, this all feels very wrong. At the hands of Billy Brubaker, of course, Matthew Lillard himself. Yeah, I mean, he becomes Dam Dampeel, Dampier, whatever his fucking name is. He becomes essentially the most decent human in the He's movie. He's the only decent human uh, in the movie. Let's talk about the Bull Durham riff that they just straight up stole. Straight up. I do like it, though, because it's almost as if they're like, how do we, <laughs> well, let's make this more baseball and just steal the Sandlot line. Right, so. Where she's like, I'm a bit of a baseball legend, and you can just see Wilmer Falderrama in that oversized fishing hat like, legends never die. <laughs> the greats are remembered, but legends never die. So, and then she just takes on a whole cucumber and grapes. And so apparently there's some form of, because this is one of the funnier moments in the movie, right, where she finally gets him to come in. A couple other teammates have gone. She she takes on produce and the next thing we see is Wilder Valderrama chugging a beer, and it's like, he's a man right. now. <laughs> this is like, this is still the craziest thing to me, by the way. It's like, okay, so the Bay League, the Chesapeake Bay League, doesn't pay any of these people, so they all live with, like, house parents and shit. This woman, yeah. who literally fucks the man into all of these individuals, is a house parent. Not like just some rando in the she city. She is a baseball legend. She's a baseball house parent. Right? Who she has become part of the fabric of the national game. But then yes. Then the next cut is like so she's like, hand me the cucumber and she like throws her it's Beverly D'Angelo. She like throws her head back. And then the next shot is literally him chugging a beer and everyone's like, Yes. Yeah. He has figured it out. <laughs> and then he actually makes a defensive play. They're like Whatever that woman did to that cucumber has manifested into macho energy. Oh, by the way, Wilmer. I, this was the other crazy thing was like, so he makes that play and it cuts to Beverly D'Angelo in the state in the stands. And she literally just looks like, 
I don't know, like a nurse from the a 1970s uh, sitcom. Yeah. Like her hair is done up in yeah. a bun and she's got the, like the cable knit sweater and shit. And then the previous scene, the only thing we what? saw her was like, garters. she's not. No, she's not coming to the stadium in her lady of the night attire. You save that. This is what it is, though. She is transferring magic, right? The funny thing is, because we also see Billy do good in the final game. He ate the cucumber salad. True. So whatever, maybe the vegetables become this uh, transference mechanism. It's magic. Now that, that I kept, to, I think that's the problem with a movie like Summer Catches. You're like, that's an interesting thought. I'd watch a movie on that. I'd watch a movie about like a just woman watching who's her make produce and the magical magic? effects that. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a weird bit. Let's uh, let's talk about the rich villainous family. Uh, uh, yes. Man, this dad, such a piece of shit. This is one of those weird rich dads that they don't even give the one moment, right? Which yeah, is, I, there's usually one moment at the end where the dad realizes, I have spent my entire life gathering wealth, right? You get the sense that his parents were wealthy, he inherited wealth, he's growing the wealth, right? As a good rich person does, right? You keep growing your fucking... Uh, venomous impact on the world grow your a little bit more at a time right? yes yeah so he's growing his wealth letting everyone know they're less thans right you see this a lot in movies like the dad who's too into the money and then at the end of the movie he has that oh my god all of this wealth and societal protection for being rich whites in our yuppie community and i've lost my daughter like i can't even protect her my mountain of greenbacks can't protect my daughter i'm losing her Whatever makes her happy, right? Like, there's a scene at the end where this guy could have been in the stands. Someone could hand him a baseball hat, and he could look at it like, what? Like, he could look at that the way I look at vegetables. Like, what is this? What is it for? Right? And put the hat on and be like, oh, my God, this is fun. He's actually talking to his daughter who's just playing a drunken sailor. Yep. He's actually talking to his other daughter that just wants to fuck this picture. Sure. There's a moment where he could have his reawakening. They literally never give it to well, him, right? Even the scene when Fred Ward tells him to fuck off. There's a moment when he's like, I'm sorry. I've always looked down on you. You do good yard work. Yeah. Like, well, that's what I'm saying. It's that father. moment where he literally crumples up the bill and <laughs> yells shit and then throws it in his trunk. It's like, yeah, you fucked up, dude. What are you going to do? Mow your own lawn? I don't think so, bro. Yeah. But that's what I mean. They never give him one moment of yeah. redemption. Well, like in the entire, even they, when Jessica Biel breaks down and she's like, "You won, Dad. You won." They do such a good job the entire movie of hammering home what a shitbag this guy is. Like the first time we ever get, like our first interaction with him ever is him telling them to <laughs> stay off the main drive. The second time we see him, <laughs> I like that. The yeah. second time we see him though is him inviting his daughter's not boyfriend over to play golf, and he ex boyfriend, and then yeah. he literally just goes what we can't play golf golf's great and then again like also this mother whew, she is aloof as hell yeah uh, yeah well that is the weird thing is you're like i do feel for him that scene where they're that scene where they're all playing pool and she's just sitting there smoking cigarettes in the parlor like oh yes that's classy bro that's classy she's trying to throw some cover out there so that dunn won't see all the the sexcapades that are about to go on in their eyes wide shut party. <laughs> but that's it. It's, it's wild because I feel for her where I'm like, man, I really would not want my daughter with Dunn either. Like he just seems like 
There's a lot of red flags. Let's put it yes. that way. Like red flag it's after red great. flag. He didn't eat, like when he was in the pool with my daughter, he ran away like a bitch instead of like trying to stand his ground and be like, I love her. Yeah. Also like left her to take the hit too. But then you see, you see Chip. Yeah. Yeah. He fucking leaves her. And then you see Chip or whatever his name is. And you're like, I'm not sure how this works, but you're like, that's who is going to get my daughter. Yeah. That little fucking chode. Like, gross. So he's just making like bad. And then he's like, I'll destroy your father's lawn business. <laughs> and it's so insane. But this actually led me to one of my favorite scenes in the movie, which is at the ending when they interrupt the private jet that she's about to get on to San Francisco. Right. There oh, is God. this whole he pulls up in his fucking friend's shitty car. Right. The stoner friends. And he's like, I love you. Don't go. And she's like, OK, I will throw it all away for you because you pitched not eight good innings right and didn't see it through to the end but here's the thing you watch that scene right all of this is happening and you just sit there and you go where is her mom and what is she thinking because you're like she must be mortified absolutely but here's and this is the problem (laughs) so they have their little thing and by the way the it's it's weird it's the end of the movie it's the worst scene in the movie i think because he runs out. He gives his little like, I love her. I, I mean, I love you. Oh, oh, don't go to San Francisco. And then she utters this line that it had to have been thrown in. It's like, I don't think anyone will understand that they want to be together. Can you say something to that effect? And she just goes, let's be together. But then afterwards, when they get the white out, like, hey, we're all happy after he gets the deal with the, yeah. the mud towns, mud hounds or whatever. The wide, mm-hmm. the mom's just like standing there going, yay, I guess this is a good thing. No, 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 no. This is important because I was like, this was parasite before parasite, right? Because the guys, the stoner friends run up and try to put the hat on her of the mudhounds or whoever, right. or the Chesapeake A's. And she kind of goes, huh? like it looks playful. But at the end, I think she's taking the hat off to throw it on the ground. And if there was one extra moment, I think you'd see her hold her <laughs> nose and be like, God, these pores reek. Like that's what that mom's really doing. And then she's getting in her car with her giant ass early 2000s. Call the lawyers. <laughs> Call the lawyers and your connections at the mud flaps. We've got to end this boy. <laughs> right? Like, here's another thing that we don't see. Like this. <laughs> so when Ryan goes up to the Phillies and clearly is starting what will be a short and horrendous <laughs> career. They couldn't pan away to one shot of and his girlfriend's yeah. proud of him or his wife. I assume they broke up. To be honest she probably you. dumped his ass. She probably got to wherever the mud flaps play, and she's like, "Woof." <laughs> he went up to Batavia, I believe it was. Yeah, it was yeah. never brought up again. It's like, oh, we're in love, but it's all right. He's playing baseball, so I guess it's a baseball movie again. Like again, it's yeah. this weird two-hander <laughs> of not really knowing what kind of movie it is. And again, Brian Dennehy and Fred Ward; those guys are in baseball movies. Everyone else is doing like. I don't know. Yeah. Meatballs with baseballs. It's <laughs> meatballs with baseballs. It's so, so weird. I mean, so make your closing argument is why this should be watched as part of the trilogy. I mean, besides that it has those two guys in it. I mean, that's pretty much the only argument I would never like tell someone, Hey, spend a dollar 99 on this movie. You'll love it because look, that's a lie. You did that to me today. Um, well, Hey, 
you all deserve paybacks for human. <laughs> I mean, you know, I watched Humanoids of the Deep. There you go. We're now we're now we're even. I would argue that Humanoids of the Deep is better in its handling of sexual aggression and more human than Summer Cage. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I did have this funny thought in my head where I was like, imagine that one guy who runs like Amazon's rental servers. Yeah. And he's like, there must be a virus in the system. Two people have paid for Summer Cage today. Someone's paid for Summer Cage. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look. Oh, my. They would be the greatest thing of my life is if there was like a run on Summer Catch and it got tracked back to our I podcast. really hope so. Look, to be honest with the you. The producer's like, I knew it would be a look, hit. Summer Catch is by no means she's all that. And it's definitely not humanoids of the deep. It's far worse. It's, But it does have a lot of decent charm to it. There's Fred Ward. There's Brian Dennehy. And, of course, there are the two yes. guys at the center of it, Matthew Lillard, Freddie Prince Jr., who are – Every friendship goes through peaks and valleys, and I think Summer Catch is for sure a valley. But nevertheless, the friendship endures. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just listening to Brian Dennehy's sports monologue and watching Fred Ward as the dad is really rewarding. It is. And then when you juxtapose it next to Freddie Prince Jr. and Jessica Biel pretending to be real children, it just adds this depth of like, wow, look at how good Fred Ward and Brian Dennehy are. Um, Again, I think they're... You can see the pieces of this movie. It made me laugh when I realized the guy who wrote this movie went on to write Kong Skull Island. You're like, he's been writing yeah. the bad bro humor for so long. <laughs> and it has gotten better by Skull that Island. Was let's one be of the, fair. That was one of the writers. The other writer wrote <laughs> Coach Carter and uh, I believe as recently as Power Rangers. So there you go. It's all, I mean, it, all, it makes it the tracks. Power Ranger movies make so much more sense. Like, that Power Ranger movie is kind of clicking into place now that I've seen Summer <laughs> But uh, the, the thing is, is that, and I'll give you this, there are weirdly charming moments buried amongst these, yes. these, these time bomb scenes, right? Like, I actually liked when his brother went in on him, right? There's, it. like, this weird moment where they say, there's a, there's a weird thing the movie suggests they might have stolen from another baseball film, but I was like, are they doing mothers in the outfield instead of angels in the outfield? Because <laughs> when they're like, mom was six of dogs, she didn't miss the game. And then she died, and her older brother's like, she hasn't missed a game since. And I was like, did he make a fucking deal with the devil to get his mom back out there to fireball for nine innings? That, in and of itself, might add so much more depth than this movie already has. But again, that brother only if has three found, scenes. But that's what I mean, though. I want to see the magical skill transference of the 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 cucumbers. It also, I want to see the brothers fucking deal with the devil. <laughs> also, that brother looks suspiciously like Skeet Ulrich. I'm just gonna say this: a little bit like Skeet Ulrich. A I mean, I think Matthew Lillard and Skeet Ulrich were always circling like this was going to be the path. I think that's what it is. Uh, they're just a better version of him and Freddie Prince. And you, granted, that came first. That came before Summer Catch, yeah. It did. Do you think maybe in some do you think maybe in some sort of universe Summer Catch might exist in the Scream universe and this is actually what happened to Stu when he left? <laughs> maybe he changed his name cuz hey, Billy Brubaker's from Southern California, very close to Woodsboro. <laughs> Perhaps he in I fact would became a baseball legend okay okay i would like to think um that this film is 
the hell that Billy and Stu get trapped in. Yes. Right? To relive on repeat. Perfect. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of who the other Stu characters wakes up, would be. Stu wakes up and he has that terrible chin strap beard for the rest of his life. Like, oh no! Yeah, right? Oh no! Like, uh, so I guess that makes uh, Flavortown hair would be doofy. <laughs> right? He's always like thwarting them. Uh, <laughs> that old guy in the cowboy hat is Gail Weathers. Right? Yep, absolutely. And then I guess... I guess Sydney is just every guy who crushes uh, Stu's balls <laughs> and makes him have a meltdown on the mat. Like, <sighs> yep, maybe this is great. Or maybe she's the sister that actually knows the stats. I think Summer Catch being the hell that Stu has to go to <laughs> is makes Summer Catch yeah. that much better. Well, imagine Skeet Ulrich and all his fucking delusions of grandeur waking up as Freddie Prince Jr. and just no. <laughs> Like that this is a this is a punishment pocket hell for Scream. Makes this movie a lot better. Agreed. And then you get Maureen Prescott is actually the lady Dude, with the cucumbers. This is where this is all me. kind of clicking together. Summer catch <laughs> as the pocket Ryan hell Denny, for Scream. Sid's dad. Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe I will Sid take is it. Fred Ward. That's why she laughs at him every time he comes home and sucks at something. Yep. Whoa. Hundred percent. I like this, this. is a good is a theory. Good theory. This is a good theory. So yeah. yeah, this is this is what happens. This is what happens when you ask people what their favorite movies are and you murder them. We all have to sit through Summer Catch. No, you become Summer Catch. That's what happens. <laughs> Catch a case. Um, yeah, it's hey man, it's a movie. There's some talented people that were a part of it. Not my favorite. Not anyone's favorite, but a vital part of the BFF trilogy, no less. Yeah, not without merit. There's there's some scenes. Uh, all right, guys, that's it for uh, part two of the BFF trilogy. Uh, next week, we're blasting off into deep space with Wing Commander. That's uh, right. Which I only remember as having number muncher level CG graphics. And some space adjacent material. So this one exactly. I do not remember since the theater. This shows the transcendence that Freddie Prince Jr. and Matthew Lillard's friendship has as it lasts through hundreds of years out into space. That's friendship, guys. <laughs> no, this is friendship, Alex. This is friendship. This Humanoids is friendship. Watching summer friendship catch and right talking there. for an hour with you. <laughs> Well, I made you do taxidermia, so fairs, fairs. <laughs> Thank you very much. There's more than enough movies in this pod that I can right. say this is your payback. How fucking dare you? This has to wipe the slate clean. All right, guys, that's it for Summer Catch. Ew, gross. I'm going to go jump in my rich pool while my pa yells at my boyfriend. Cleanse myself. Uh, as always, please take a second and leave a rating and review, especially on Apple Podcasts. Follow our channel on YouTube, Nerd Alchemist. Find us on all your socials. We're there to interact with us. You can also reach us, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. With your ideas for other movies that you want us to talk about, double features, themes for a month, guests to have on. Be prepared, guys. We are fast approaching our October movie marathon, a horror movie every oh single day. I'm so excited. We've been recording like Mad Men. Uh, we are covering all of Scream. All of Halloween, all of Candyman, 
The Shining and Doctor Sleep, Evil Dead, and we have some guest hosts who are bringing some really fun Holy movies shit, as well. Dude. The guest episodes we've done have been amazing. I'm so Yeah, excited. our guests have been absolutely crushing it. We cannot wait to share all of this with you. Uh, so thanks for joining us again. I am Josh Griffey, joined by... Ryan Dun Alex Dandino, sorry. That's it. Pod's over. <laughs>